So last week we began a sermon series, we're calling it The Questions That God Asks. And so what we're going to be doing over these eight weeks of this sermon series is that we're going to be looking at some of the questions that God and Jesus ask people in Scripture. And we're going to consider their responses to those questions, and then we're going to also give some thought as to our questions. answers to some of those questions. And last week, being week one, we started at the very beginning of our Bible, and what is the first recorded question that God ever asks a human being? Uh, Where are you? Where are you? And today, we are skipping ahead into the New Testament, and we're looking at the very first recorded question that Jesus asks of a human being. And that is, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Now, um, a little history we need to get through before we get to our text this morning. In, In our scripture today, we have John the Baptist, who is not to be confused with John the Gospel writer. Those are two different people. So you have John the Baptist here, and he is having a conversation. He's talking to two of his disciples, and then Jesus walks by. Well, just before this, John the Gospel writer, not to be confused with John the Baptizer, gives us a little bit of insight into John the Baptist. And he says that John the Baptist came as crying out as a voice in the wilderness, and that his job is to prepare people for the way of the Lord. John, the gospel writer, says that this John the Baptist is a really important guy, but he's not the most important guy. Uh, This guy is coming to point to someone whose rank is higher and greater than his own. And so when John the Baptist is sitting here having a conversation with two of his disciples and Jesus walks by, John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, this is the guy I've been preparing you for. This is the guy that I told you that's more important than me. Behold, this is the Lamb of God. And so what happened in that moment is John the Baptist's two disciples that he was talking with are somewhat intrigued by this declaration that John the Baptist has made. And so we're told that those two disciples begin to follow Jesus. But it seems as if, just by what happens after this, that that maybe the disciples weren't just like walking right beside Jesus. Because we're told that Jesus actually had some sense that somebody was following him. And so he turned around and he addressed the two disciples. So maybe they were following at a distance. Maybe they were shy. Maybe they didn't know what to say to this man who had been called the Lamb of God. Uh, maybe it was that they just wanted to kind of observe from, from a little bit further back to see if this guy really is... Uh, all the things that John the Baptist said that he really was. But, but Jesus, maybe because he's the Messiah, somehow has this sense that people are following him. And so he turns around and he looks at those two disciples and he says, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? Now, I want to suggest to you that this would have been a fair question to ask because if you're 
reading with a critical eye the Word of God, you'll see that lots of different people were expecting a Messiah and that lots of people had different ideas about what that Messiah would look like. I mean, there were some who wanted a military leader, like someone who would come in power and might, because they were, uh, the Jews were being oppressed by Romans during this time. And so their idea of a Messiah would have been somebody that could come in and just destroy the occupying power of Rome, and so that the Jewish nation would be the premier stronghold of the region. And so some people were looking for a Messiah like that. Others were looking for a Messiah that would kind of help them to understand and to unpack in a greater way the Torah, uh, understanding all the subtleties and the nuances of the law. And so their idea of a Messiah would be somebody would just come and just would pontificate about in detail about some of the laws that were in the Torah and give them greater meaning uh, uh, for the people. And then there were some who were looking for entertainment. You know, this, this Messiah would come in and do a bunch of magic tricks or we might call them miracles. And, you know, you could just always be entertained. You could just see, well, what's this Messiah going to do today? And then there were some who really needed the miracle. They weren't interested in being entertained by a miracle. They, they really wanted the miracle. They, they had something going on in their lives that they hoped that a Messiah could come and intimately address and to fix. And then there were some that just wanted to rub elbows with somebody important. And a Messiah, if you knew the Messiah and, and, and you were one of the inner circle of a Messiah, then you would improve your own passion, your position, and your power. Uh, and so some people were looking for a Messiah uh, just like that. And so Jesus' question to these two disciples who've decided to follow Him is a legitimate question. What are you looking for? Now, I don't know if you know this, but uh, your staff, your church staff, now we get together and we study the scripture that's going to be preached out on, on a particular Sunday. And I always ask them a bunch of questions about the text, if I'm going to be preaching on it. And I, so I said, well, what do you think Jesus is saying here when he says, what are you looking for? And Reverend Martha said, well, I think this is just Jesus, a polite way of saying, why in the world are you following me? And it's probably true. What are you, why are you following me? What do you hope to find with me? Are, are you following me just so you can uh, be a, a distraction to me? Or are you following me because you really want to be a disciple of me? I think Jesus is being rather polite here. He's asking a question and he's not asking the question because he doesn't know the answer. He's asking the question because he wants to make sure those disciples know the answer. What are you looking for? What is your motivation for following me? What do you hope to gain from me? Have you thought about why you have made this decision to follow me now? Are you just on a casual walk with me? Or are you willing to make this a lifelong journey with me? What are you looking for? 
Well, to answer this question, uh, you've got to really do some soul-searching of your own, right? And so there's a sense in which these two disciples have to do some soul-searching. What were they looking for? I mean, their motivation needs to be crystal clear in their mind before they can accurately and truthfully respond to the question that Jesus has asked them. And so we get some clue as to maybe where their minds are in the way that they respond to Jesus They begin by saying rabbi, and rabbi is a term that uh, literally means great one or or teacher. And, And so the fact that these two disciples of John the Baptist are now referring to Jesus as rabbi, it's as if they are saying we are no longer following John the Baptist and we are not just on a casual walk with you. We realize that there's something great about you. We realize that you are a teacher par excellence. We are not just on a casual walk. We are willing to take this journey with you. And that's evident in the second part of the question where they say, Lord, where are you staying? Uh, At first, it seems like such a strange question. It seems like such a superficial question. Jesus has just asked them, what are you looking for? And and they respond by saying, where are you staying? Well, again, I think that what, what may be happening here is that the disciples are saying that we are not just with you for the duration of where this walk began and where this walk is going to end, that being your home or the place where you're staying. But no, instead, we are, we are with you for the long haul. Uh, we're not going to just stop listening to you and, and responding to you when you stop for supper or to go to bed. We want to sit with you. We want to eat with you. We want to be at your feet learning from you constantly over and over again. We want to spend quality time with you and we want to be your students. And so Jesus responds by saying, come and see. Come and see. It's as if he knew what their question really meant. It's as if he knew that what they really did want was quality time with him. And Jesus wanted them to come and see. Come and be with him. Come and hear what he has to say. Come and see what he has to do. Come and respond in a way that suggests that you're with Jesus in the long haul. That you really want to be a follower and then I love it because, you know, when we have special moments in our lives, we will, we will remember something like, I can remember the time of day, I can remember the weather outside, I can remember where I was in that moment when something special happened to me. We, we get a, their very own time stamp of the disciples. They're like, it was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was at 4 o'clock in the afternoon when Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, invited us who sought to follow Him to come and see everything about Him. And they registered that with a timestamp. And it's at this point in the Scripture that we learn the name of one of the disciples. His name is Andrew. We don't know a lot about Andrew. We do know that he was Simon Peter's brother. 
But if you look throughout the entire Gospels, you're only going to find about three stories where Andrew is more than just an a offshoot in the background kind of character. There's only three places in Scripture where for, even for the briefest of moment, Andrew stands up front and center and, and we really, really notice who he is. One is in John chapter 6. And that's where Jesus has been teaching that multitude of people, those 5,000 people. And Jesus has become worried about where they're going to get enough food to make sure that all of those people get fed. And we're told that Andrew brought a little boy to Jesus. And this little boy had five uh, barley loaves and two fish. And that Jesus took that fish and that bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to all those that had gathered there that day and there was plenty for people to eat. The second place where we see Andrew in the Gospels then more than just a kind of a background character is in John chapter 12. And we're told that Andrew brings a bunch of inquiring Greeks to Jesus into the presence of Jesus so that they could be introduced to him and learn more about Him. And then the third place where Andrew is a central figure in the story is in our Scripture lesson this morning. He's one of the two disciples that was willing to leave John the Baptist and go and follow Jesus. And after Jesus had invited him to come and see, the first thing that Andrew did is he went and got his brother, Simon Peter, the one that Jesus would later build the church on and say He is the rock, the bedrock of the church that we are a part of today. Simon Peter, upon following Jesus first, went and made sure that his brother was introduced. Andrew made sure that Simon was introduced to Jesus. So, the picture that's being painted of Andrew is that Andrew is always someone who was interested in introducing other people to Jesus. Now the other disciple, not named at all. Some people suggest that the other disciple that goes unnamed in the Scripture is actually the Gospel writer himself, John. Uh, and, and that may very well be true. You know, John never refers to himself as John in his own gospel. He says, I'm the one who Jesus loves. You know, it's kind of pompous if you ask me, but he never does mention his own name, and so maybe that is indeed true here. Maybe this unnamed disciple is none other than the gospel writer John himself. But maybe this disciple goes unnamed Because from this point and evermore, the Gospel writer wanted you and me to see ourselves in that unnamed disciple. And when that unnamed disciple is asked by Jesus, what are you looking for? Maybe what's meant to happen is for you and I to ask that same question of ourselves today. What are you looking for? Are you just on a casual walk with Jesus? Or do you really, are you really interested in a lifelong journey with the Messiah, the Son of the living God?
Are you sort of following along at a distance? Maybe you're really not sure who this Jesus guy is or what this Jesus guy can do or what this Jesus guy might mean. Or are you willing to come alongside Jesus to learn from Him and to grow in Him? What are you looking for? To answer that question... You've got to get into, do some soul searching. You've got to really examine your heart. You've got to ask yourself, what are my deepest yearnings? What are my deepest desires? What what do I want from this relationship with Jesus? What am I looking for? And it tells us a whole lot about what's going on inside us when we spend time asking ourselves those questions. And sometimes when we ask ourselves, what am I looking for? Well, the answer might be something other than what Jesus would say is in our best interest. Sometimes that what we think is best for us, what we need, what we want, is, is not what Jesus would say we need or what we want. And that's all the more reason why Jesus invites us to come and see to come and be with Him, to come and listen to what He has to say, to come and watch what He came to do so that we might align our will, our desires, our motivations with Jesus. I suspect that this morning all of us are in different places of our walk with the Lord. What are we looking for? And that's the invitation today, is to do the soul searching to answer that question as a disciple of Jesus. And if you've already answered that question, and you feel good about where you are in your walk with Jesus, then maybe what you need to be this morning is more like Andrew. You who are certain about who Jesus is and what Jesus means to you, you could be one that would go and introduce others to Jesus. Andrew introduced his brother to Jesus and became the bedrock of the Christian church. Someone that you may introduce to Jesus may have a profound impact on the kingdom of of God because you were willing to invite them to come and see.